My name is Kim Weeks, and this is Practicing Well. The first time I met Rob Schwer, the co-founder of the Give Back Yoga Foundation, he asked me point blank, what yoga is about if it's not about service? It's a provocative question, and it's asked by a disruptor. Rob and his co-founder, Beryl Bender, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, believe that that's exactly what Give Back is doing in the yoga industry. They're disrupting an industry and community that so far through the late 20th century and into the 21st hasn't really had a lot of impact on communities of need because it's developed, you know, primarily as a practice for those who can afford to spend 20 to $30 on a yoga class or hundreds on a monthly yoga class pass membership, for example. Chelsea Roth, Giveback's co-executive with Rob, has a reputation that already precedes her. I remember hearing years ago about her when she did a yoga strike to raise money for her organization, Eat, Breathe, Thrive, which ultimately then was folded underneath the fiscal sponsee umbrella of Give Back. Chelsea, by the way, was on a rooftop doing her yoga strike strike for five days to raise $50,000 to fund a research study on yoga as an intervention for eating disorders. And I give this example, you'll hear it in the conversation, it's really fantastic, because I think it's just emblematic of the kinds of ideas and the spirit and community and family, as you'll hear in the conversation multiple times, that give back actually cultivates with its small group of sponsees. Giveback has brought organizations serving these communities underneath their fiscal sponsorship umbrella in addition to running a mat donation campaign. They've donated 35,000 mats over the time that they've been in operations to just get people on mats taught by teachers, as Rob said in the conversation, that have a fire in their belly, who want to bring this practice of solace and steadiness to as many people as they can. And as many know from this podcast, you know, I'm so interested in the scientific research on yoga, and that is also where Give Back intersects. They are really driving ahead, raising money and doing the work they're doing, finding money in all kinds of creative places to bring researched yoga practice to, practices to these communities that they serve. There's so much more to say about this conversation. It was just such a delight and so interesting to talk to them. And I will say a quick note on the audio. I'm kind of professionalizing my approach here and you'll hear that the conversation starts um, with me on a mic that I don't ultimately use because I just forgot to click record. So anyway, forgive the um, audio issues, but I hope you enjoy the conversation with Chelsea Roth and Rob Schwer of the Give Back Yoga Foundation. Rob and Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. I'm glad to see you. And I'm really glad to welcome you onto this conversation because as the podcast has evolved, it is so interesting to fan out these conversations into the yoga world, community, industry, 
to discover where people have put their passions and where people have put what they love about this practice into motion for others. And so I don't often have two people on the call because typically they're just one V ones, you know, around, you know, decades, years, whatever it is of practice that has led to whatever these people are doing, but you all are co-running a foundation that Rob, you started, it's been 15 years ago now. 2007. Yeah. So 16 years or so. And Chelsea, you've just come in to this co-leadership role in the last year or two. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I've worked under Rob's stewardship for, for many years longer as uh, one of the Give Back Yoga programs. And then um, now have the honor of, of joining him in co-leadership. Yeah, it's really, there's so many things that I want to talk about. We know, we discussed before we clicked record, we're going to do the what and the why. But how about we talk about each of your journeys to give back? So we might start with you, Rob, just what your vision was it with Beryl Bender, who was just on the podcast a, a week or two ago. What a what an absolute dynamo that woman is. And I think iconoclast, that's the word that I used for her, but you came together with her and started this. Let's just maybe talk about your original vision for this foundation. You want the public or the personal story? Hey, I want both. I like them all. I like it all. <laughs> you know me. I like the personal too. <laughs> public story is that I took early retirement from the World Bank after 20 some years of working there as a, as a senior manager. And I wanted to give back. And um, I was <clears throat> I was training with with Beryl on and off for many years when I was at the World Bank, and I just called her and said, um, "I want to help yoga teachers who have done so much for me in my in my career. How can we do that?" And Beryl said, "Well, as part of her 500-hour teacher training program for the Heart and the Soft Yoga Institute, she required all teachers to do a give back project. They had to write it up." present it to the group, do it, and write a report about it. She said, if you want to take that concept and turn it into a small nonprofit? And I said, sure, that's a good idea. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, the personal story, Kim, is that <clears throat> I had graduated from a 300-hour Ashtanga teacher training program, and I had this eureka moment one Sunday morning. I woke up and I grabbed my wife. I said, I'm not going to be a good yoga teacher. I wanted to teach yoga to corporate executives because that was the people that I worked with throughout the world in my job at the World Bank, ministers of finance. And I thought, okay, senior executives need to practice yoga. And I freaked out. I said, I'm not going to be a good yoga teacher. There's so many young women who can put their legs around their head and I'm just not going to be the one that they want. And I felt so insufficient. I'm like, I'm not good enough. And, and I walked around that Sunday um, hiking. I remember I just put my arms out to God and I said, what am I good at? And I said, well, I love to, I'm a good networker. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I, um, I can raise money and I can talk to anyone <clears throat> in the world because that's what I've been doing for 20 some years. So I can use my existing skills to help yoga teachers. And it doesn't have to be teaching yoga to others. And so Beryl and I started talking a little bit more and more. And um, 
we decided to call it Give Back Yoga Foundation. And we needed a mantra. We needed some kind of, you know, tagline. What's it going to be? And um, we came up with this very sweet sentence, how can I serve? And that's been my meditation every morning for some 20 years to wake up. And when I meditate, just how can I serve? And, and it's become a kind of Dharma boat, you know, that you get into and you sort of say, how can I serve yoga teachers today to work with unserved populations? It's very simple, but it's guided and it's threaded everything we do. And it, it sounds like it's like a double dharma because you're serving yoga teachers serving others. Correct. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Double dharma. <laughs> See, I'm also, I'm also all in on the branding. You hear that? <laughs> Rob and the double dharma. That sounds almost like a book. <laughs> um, and so, and so, so that, so you and Beryl then, you know, went on um, and grew this, foundation that you know is 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 sort of driven by this fiscal sponsorship by this way that you and I'm really interested in getting into it how you found these organizations how you recruit them if you do or how you field them or or whatever so you're sort of growing this idea of how to serve those serving others which you know in the, you know is 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 so yogic i mean it's interesting to think about yoga teaching as yoga and that's kind of a narrow look at it really because just teaching people how to I mean I certainly would take issue with the legs behind the head thing because that's just an that's just a yoga gram misunderstanding of what we're really doing here and you know they're obviously the picture books of the 20th century led a lot of people down that road, right? We see all these images, these still images of these dramatic shapes and think, ooh, that's yoga, which is, God, such a tiny slice of what's really going on there. So you're growing this, and then, Chelsea, you find, give back or hear about it. Maybe tell us a little bit about your yoga journey and how it, um, how, how you saw the boat <laughs> and jumped into it or flagged it down or stopped Rob and said, can I get on? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know who stopped who. <laughs> I don't know if it was me or the other way around. We've, we've done and maybe we've swapped in those roles every, every once in a while, um, over the past 10 years. Um, God, I, you know, I think you actually hit on Kim really the the essence of of give back. You must you must be good at branding because I, you know, our <laughs> mission is our mission is to bring yoga to all people, especially those who are facing illness and hardship. But the vehicle we do that is by supporting yoga teachers who are doing that work in their community. Um, and I I came to give back um, sort of through that that route. Um, I was. I mean, this was, we'll celebrate our 10th year, this organization, or this this year under the Give Back Yoga umbrella. So this would have been about 10 years ago. And I, the, the long story is that I, I met Rob because he was editing a book on um, yoga, yoga service and really people and organizations bringing that to the world. And I was a fledgling yoga teacher. And Rob often says that he looks for teachers with a fire in their belly. And I was... Certainly that. Um, I was also a bit confused about my life purpose and, you know, embarrassingly ambitious. Probably. So I was I was looking for a way to give back. Um, 
and Rob and I became friends through that. And um, I'd, ha- I'd had a really severe eating disorder when I was young and um, was in working in yoga research at that time. And I came to a moment in my life when I realized that really where my heart and my passion was, was bringing yoga to people with eating disorders and doing the scientific research. Yes, but really doing that from a a standpoint of wanting the research to be done so that yoga could be part of the healthcare system and that anyone who needed access to it could get it. So, um, you know, being ambitious at that, that age, I decided I wanted to raise $50,000 in 50 days with my goal on a crowdfunding project um, to do a study on yoga and eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And I, I started and I quickly realized that people wanted um, tax receipts when they made donations. And I knew Rob because I'd edited this book with him and I called him up and I said, Hey Rob, (laughs) you run a foundation. Can I, can I, can I maybe, could you, could we, do you give them tax receipts? You know, I'll bring the money. I said, I'm going to raise $50,000. And I, I never forget, Rob said, well, if you, if you raise $50,000, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, there's a, here's a, the money talks. <laughs> it's it's yeah. true. But, you know, it also was, I mean, maybe, I don't know, Rob, if you actually knew that at the time, but I, I love a challenge. It was a, it was sort of a, once he said that, I was like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to raise $50,000. So How'd you do that? You should share how you did that, Chelsea. Oh, gosh. I did. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I got, I, it was a crowdfunding campaign. So back in the day of Indiegogo and um, I raised a significant amount just, just, you know, asking for donations and doing that sort of thing. Probably 19 grand is what I got to. And we were 44 days we were I was 44 days into the campaign um and had about six days to go and I I hate failing I I it was the I could see that I was about to fail miserably (laughs) you know because 19 19 grand is a lot but it wasn't enough to do a research study on Mm -hmm. yoga and eating disorders so um I mean it's a long story but I ended up calling a friend who, who, who said, well, you've got to do something crazy. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to do something. And I said, well, how about a hunger strike? And he was like, I, I don't know if that's really, if that's really, you know, aligned with your mission. Um, I was half joking, of course, but um, yeah. <laughs> I decided to do a, a yoga strike is what he suggested. He said, why don't you get onto a yoga mat in a really um, public place where you can get some awareness and take a vow not to get off your yoga mat until you've raised the rest of your funds. So I, I laid a yoga mat down on a, on a rooftop in downtown Santa Monica and I camped on that rooftop for five and a half days. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so did you, did you, were, did you film yourself being there or did you just this sort is, of like video cam it to the, this is, this was like before the day we have, you can live stream anything now, mm-hmm. on Facebook or YouTube, but there was no live streaming back then. So I set up a, a video camera and there was a company called Justin.tv that could live stream stuff. And they, I asked them to donate live streaming services. And then I asked um, all the yoga teachers and authors and friends that I knew to come up onto the live stream and talk about their experience with eating disorders and talk about their experience with yoga. And then I, you know, had a big sign. 
<laughs> I mean, when people would walk by, I'd ask, and it just it, it caught people's attention and $50,000 came in with the help of a, a small family foundation helped as well that supported mm. us every year since. Mm. Um, and I think we were able, or I was able to raise that fund, those funds in part, at least in part, because um, because of give back, because give back had respect and legitimacy as an organization. Um, and there was a, especially for that foundation, there was a sense of, okay, if this organization is starting under this umbrella, we know there's oversight. And um, to this day, I think that's, that's one of the things Give Back Yoga does is it helps small organizations, small seedling, um, sometimes they're not even organizations, sometimes it's a yoga teacher with a passion. Mm, with an idea, right, right, right. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I came on board. Flashy. One little minor qualification of Chelsea saying that we became friends when she was copy editing that book. She's she's a very critical, harsh copy editor. You need it. <laughs> you need it. I mean, you definitely you do not want to like your copy editor. That is a that you you know you're succeeding if you're really unhappy about the copy edits, <laughs> and if you edit much better the next time with much more detail. <laughs> At least in my history of writing, that's my experience. Um, so, so this I, I'm I'm just I'm so interested in in give backs structure because your description Chelsea of how you came to live or how your organization eat breathe thrive came to live under the give back umbrella is what i find so interesting i mean i think one of the things and this was what year 10 years ago or something yeah, so 10 years ago, I mean, yoga was, I think, had emerged from, you know, subculture more to self-care checkbox. I think that that's a lot of people think about yoga that way, you know, going to the studio with your girlfriends, then out for dinner, drinks after, or something like that, where it's less a practice and more an event, more something that just feels really good when you go, and it's... And so... It seems to me that those of us working in the yoga field, you know, you know, day in and day out, tirelessly for the greater good, for especially those people who don't have that privilege of spending money on a yoga class, and then three times that on some event that happens after that event. I mean, that's that's a that's an expensive afternoon, evening, even if you're just going to yoga, and so so few people really have that option. And so you all have brought under your umbrella these seedling organizations, as you say, Chelsea, who have this broader, wider goal. How have you found these people? How have you, I mean, I know you, the story is sort of, I don't know, circumstantial, I guess, copy editing to co-executive ship, um, co-copy editing or whatever it is, a co-executive ship, which I'd like to get to. But you know, how did you figure that out? And Chelsea, how did you work within Give Back toward the role you have now? Tell me a little bit about the portfolio of the work that you do. Rob, do you want to say first a bit about how some of the other fiscal sponsors came on board? And sure. Well, we started out with um, the Prison Yoga Project and then <clears throat> Eat, Breathe, Thrive and Yoga of 12-Step Recovery. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, yoga, for, okay. yoga for cancer and mindful yoga therapy for veterans. Mm. They, they all came to us or we had conversations. It's, it's a small world out there. Mm-hmm. 10 years and 15 years ago, people doing yoga service work. Um, and again, it's, it's a question of identifying yoga teachers with a fire in their belly who really are able to articulate and are passionate about what the work that they do and are able to scale that work at a local level nationally and now internationally. Mm-hmm. So for many years, Kim, we just stayed with these five organizations, worked with them closely, became somewhat of a family underneath the Give Back Yoga umbrella, and consciously said no to others who wanted to come underneath the umbrella because we wanted to go deeper with what we had. And so that meant finding funding for these organizations, um, doing all of the nonprofit work that they don't want to do, um, and also slowly, slowly um, getting independent studies done on their protocols. And Chelsea can really talk about that. And that was something that we felt was very important to do because we knew that if if yoga is going to expand beyond the California prison system, you've got to be able to go to wardens in New Hampshire and other places and say, look, here's the research for this. It works. And the same with all the other programs. So we went deeper and deeper. And, and as a, as a, because we did that, we've now got studies on almost all the programs that, that are worthy of of demonstrating to a a leader that please let me teach yoga here um and then after we realized okay we we can kind of open this up to other organizations and that's only been in the past two or three years Hmm. we haven't really marketed our fiscal sponsorship but it's something that we we do i mean how basically how can you support a yoga teacher to go out and work in in an underserved population. They need yoga mats. We have now distributed over 35,000 yoga mats to support over a thousand yoga outreach organizations. They might need fiscal sponsorship because they don't want to set up a nonprofit, but they want to raise money. And they also need education about how to work with these populations to not do any harm and to improve and bring the benefits of yoga to these populations. Mm -hmm. A couple things. First, it's it's it sounds like you have this if then scenario and the if I want to talk about after the then and so it's like if we decide we're going to sponsor this organization then we support them in a variety of ways not least of which is through figuring out how to get scientific research to underscore their efforts right so that so and there's more than just that then but the if is like if we want to work with them you and I in a separate conversation have been talking about um the why and does the why make you cry you know and so is that a decision tree that you go through with your organizations like how have you how have you known or learned or is it just in the gut that you know these organizations have a why that makes you cry and that, you know, will be, first of all, these five organizations that you've worked with for, you know, 10, 15 years, but then now as you fan out to others, is that how you, is that how you think about it? 
I would say, Kim, that it, it's a little bit broader than that. Um, these are all organizations that are address, addressing major socioeconomic problems in this society. And, and they have an opportunity to reduce the costs through effective interventions and really to change behaviors and institutions and be a kind of wedge that goes into an agency and says, you know, this, this works and it's much cheaper. And this is, these are the benefits of it. So that's part of it. Um, you know, looking and, and in the end, fiscal sponsorship really boils down, Kim, to trust. We trust these entities as if they're family members and they're not going to stab us in any kind of way. And isn't that what all good relationships are based on? Solid, solid trust and understanding that we can work together, give of each other, and receive from each other as well. Chelsea, Chelsea is probably one of the, the best story of doing that kind of research. So I'm going to pass it to you, Chelsea. Speaking specifically to the, the scientific research, I yeah, I can. I, I guess I just want to speak to what you were just saying, Rob, and maybe it answers a question that you've you've already asked a little bit, Kim, which is that I think one of the things that I got as a fiscal sponsee of Give Back Again still do to today is that exchange and um, not just an exchange with Give Back Yoga of okay, so. I don't have to go and set up my own nonprofit, which probably wouldn't be that hard at this point. It's just a, it, there's a reason I'm sticking with give, but the organization is within Give Back Yoga. It's not just, okay, I don't feel like doing the bookkeeping and admin, which might've been what, what brought us there originally. It's, you know, we're working with this family of organizations that while they may work with what seems on the outside, like a very different population, we're all kind of going through the same growing pains as a nonprofit. So how do you train teachers effectively? How do you conduct scientific research? Um, how do you how do you cross the, the the barriers of getting a program covered by health insurers and health healthcare systems? So we're all doing that in different ways. And that's probably been the the biggest thing, you know, taking my co-executive director head hat off and saying just from Eat Breathe Thrive standpoint, I've gotten out. There's, a, there's a lot of, and it can be a very lonely, it can be really lonely running an organization. And um, I just, you know, it's, you're working hard. Yeah. And there's, a, and there's, right, a lot of risks and a lot of decision making that go into the void. You don't really know what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. The risk, am I doing it the right way? Is the, you know, are we going to be able to sustain this year when you have a bad year financially? So it's that um, collaborative uh, family is just, you know, I just got off the phone with one of them before we came into this call. So it's it's there all the time. Um, I mean, on the scientific research front, I, I I I've it's always been my passion. I got I got into um I never really actually intended to start a nonprofit. I, I intended to do a study on yoga for eating disorder recovery. That was my um while I was uh, doing that crowdfunding campaign initially, but I think over the years I I'm more aware than ever how important it is. Um, I live in the UK now and I was just teaching a seminar series this, this week. And um, as part of that seminar series, I was teaching yoga teachers and yoga therapists about the most um, common psychological treatments that are offered for people with eating disorders. And there's only four or five of them that are covered by insurers and covered by the NHS in the UK. 
and they are all cognitive therapy. <laughs> One of them is a family-based therapy, but they're really they're cognitive behavioral therapies. And can the only reason that they are covered by the NHS, that they're um, credentialed by, you know, celebrated by NICE, which is the clinical commissioning body here and the APA in the U.S., is because they have research studies on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only, only reason. So it's it's incredibly important. Um, I think because I was working with Give Back Yoga, we um, were really blessed to get some funding through Lululemon. So Lululemon came to Give Back Yoga and said, we want to fund yoga yeah. nonprofits. And then that meant that each each of the fiscal sponsees could start to build that relationship and um I recognized at that point that if I wasn't sitting on a roof raising $50,000 that way, it was really hard to get money to do scientific research on yoga. I wasn't going to get it through the NIH or the NSF because um, it's quite fringe. So I delivered a, um, I mean, this is, I think I've become less ambitious. <laughs> I still look back at this. I was like, wow. But I just, I wrote a proposal and then I cornered them actually at the Omega Institute um, and said, you know, sat down at a picnic table and handed them a proposal. You know, will you give us a couple hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to do a, a study? And they gave us a little, a tiny bit less than that. This was Lululemon? Lululemon, uh-huh. uh-huh. Here to be program. Yeah, they've got a social impact uh, arm that, has given millions of dollars to to yoga and mindfulness nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've done, we just published, I, I thought it would be a two-year initiative. It's been five years, so we've been working on this, but we we published one randomized control trial, which um, thank God got really good outcomes. I was terrified that you know something would go wrong, but that was that was a it was eight it was eight sites uh, across the U.S. and the U.K. which um, with over two hundred people in the sample size, um, randomly assigned to different groups, which is a very high quality study. We've got three more underway, um, uh, two of which have completed data collection. One other randomized control trial for any of the nerds listening that care about. No, there are. Yeah. Veems, you know, stop your sink calls of features on this show because of my relationship with him. And so we've had scientific research is one of the threads of this podcast. So people will love it. I hope. I hope I do. So I hope they do. Um, So that's a lot of the what. And so um, all of your programs have research behind them now or... I'd say most of them to, to different. Um, I think the the one that that we're still trying to get research on is Nikki's the Yoga of Twelve Step Recovery, um, and Prison Yoga has done some great research in in different countries. But it's if there's anybody listening that wants to fund, <laughs> we've got we've got some um, really great programs. I think one of the strengths of of the um, of each of these organizations that have again grown and been nurtured through fiscal sponsorship is that they've trained thousands of teachers in a specific approach, which is what you need to conduct scientific. Totally, it's the standardized and scaled. Even yeah, we I think we've done a, a, a good bit, and I think all of them are really well set up to um, to do some more, which is. And there's so much. I mean, you know, not to go down the scientific research rabbit hole necessarily, but, you know, back to what you were saying about 
all of these five um, interventions that are supported through, um, uh, I, I, I you know, heard a lot of acronyms and I'm sorry, I don't remember them all, you know, but the cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy, I think the reason this stuff gets studied is because we can make these claims like it's so great. Look at how, you know, but a scientist and, and certainly anybody responsible for any budget is going to have to look at the bottom line and the bottom line is just data. And if you're giving them data, conclusive data, then they'll be able to think to themselves, okay, well, the risk of this spend is going to be less because this claim is backed by data and just a bottom line. And regardless of, and, and of course, RCTs, randomized control trials, are the gold standard, the one you want to go for. But there's also other research out there that, as I've talked with Sotbeer before, you know, sort of, um, I can't remember what how it, um, when, 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 the, when the participants sort of self-report, I mean, that's certainly an outside of an RCT sort of standardization, but still self-reported improvement in, for example, mood state or in body image or whatever also is very compelling evidence that whatever intervention you're claiming works does in fact work, you know? Yeah, quali qualitative studies are, are qualitative studies. Yeah, that's probably yeah. Where you where you ask an open ended question and you say, you know, how did you, you learn? You sometimes sometimes actually we talked about this and again I can talk about research for ages. I know <laughs> a lot of the the scales that we use in scientific research, especially for specific conditions, are like with the eating disorder one. It's specifically targeted on cognitions and they're, they're they're asking very specific questions about did you think about your did you, did you look in the mirror too much today did you think and what we know from yoga is that you know this practice affects something way beyond just how you feel when you look in the mirror and so those those qualitative questions sometimes teach researchers um, the questions they didn't know to ask right how did yoga affect your life and you might right so back there that is you know not represented in any of our quantitative scales. Well, and it's it's so interesting you you, you bring that up because that's exactly what I was thinking and where I was sort of going with it back to Rob's like double dharma situation at the beginning of our conversation because as much as obviously I think the way this boat keeps, you know, sailing down the river into the ocean or whatever is 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 largely or in or Scientific research is going to have a huge part in this in this century, while simultaneously learning to listen to the things that people say about their own experience in their own body, moment by moment, will also, I think, keep moving the boat down the water because there's so much in scientific research we don't know. There's so much of the patriarchy that is just sort of blanketing the way we even think about how we research and how we how we um, justify decisions that we make. And so the more we amplify people's individual, interpersonal, you know, intersectional experiences, the more I think we will find the truths that will actually transform people's lives through yoga, exactly as you say, Chelsea, because it's such a huge practice. You know, I was just talking, and I want to turn to you, um, Rob, I was just talking to Eddie Stern. Do you know him? 
Yeah, I was just talking to him yesterday because he's coming on the podcast next week. And he was saying, you know, and the thing he's going to come on and talk about is how there are people out there that are like, there's so many different parts of yoga. Yoga can be, yoga is so many different things. He's like, no, it's one thing. It's the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. It's, it, it, it's stilling these, you know, sort of things inside you. And there's so many ways to circle that wagon. And so... It's interesting, at least I keep hearing you all talk about this family, you know, aspect, this, you know, the Sanskrit is, you know, Maitri, this sort of, you know, friendliness and relating between each other and definitely interlineage, in, a, in an interlineage way. I mean, you're basically bringing these people in, yoga teachers, yoga practitioners who have this, I said the word passion earlier, but I think you all used another word. I can't remember what it was where, you know, they want to go help these underserved populations. And so do you think about this, Rob, a little bit the way we would talk about like bhakti yoga, about, you know, devotion to the idea that, I mean, this is, again, I'm going into lineage now too, but, you know, all beings are not free until everyone is free. Like I'm not free until everyone is free. Is that, is that like a driving purpose for you, Rob, or for the organization and for how it is that you, you manage the organization, which I know you're co-managing now, because I definitely want to get to that, to that why in a minute. Yeah, I think what you said, Kim, leads to the logical conclusion that yoga inevitably is about service. I mean, if, if, if that is, if that prevails, that nobody's free until we're all free, you've got to, you've got to do some action. Some, some, something has to happen. And um, so I've never, over all these years, working with yoga teachers and the privilege that has been for me, in six months or six weeks or six years, a yoga teacher usually wants to branch out and and serve a family member, uh, a little local community, the local shelter for abused women, uh, the jail in my town, someplace, and that's where we come. Mm-hmm. That's fa- that's amazing, and I th- I feel like that we're heading toward the why there, and I don't want to leave the what. Chelsea, before we go to that. And so, you know, we talked about the, I want to make sure I just sort of understand or, you know, kind of repeat back to you. It's these, this small group of umbrella organizations and also the MAT donation program. And so those are not, you don't, you have more than this going on because I want to talk about Give Back Yoga University. And if there's anything you want to talk about there, because, you, because, you know, since COVID, you really, probably like everyone had to do a little bit of innovation. And so um, maybe talk to me a little bit about, you know, um, this, these umbrella organizations and the MAT donation program, and then sort of where you are now after the last, after the wipeout of the last few years. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely had to, had to innovate during the pandemic. Um, I, I I think sometimes when you hear about give back and it might be true for you or for anybody listening, it's like, wow, they're doing so much. It's hard to keep track. So I, I think of it as we really work in three, we have our mission, which is to bring yoga to all people with a focus on people facing illness and hardship. But how we enact that in the world is really three key things. Um, one is um, 
I think of it as equipment. We we send we send mats, yoga mats. If you're a yoga teacher um, anywhere in the U.S., Canada, and now the U.K., although our U.K. program for the mats is a bit smaller, um, and you're teaching yoga in a prison or a hospital or any type of you know care capacity in a in a park, um, we can send you free yoga mats to help you on that journey. So equipment. The second one is what you just mentioned, which is education, and that really. Um, emerged during the the pandemic. Um, I think there was a recognition um, in our organization that there are, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of yoga teachers that have gone through 200-hour training and they're eager, as Rob said, to start working in a shelter or a prison. But often they're they're not sure where to start. Like, how would I even talk to the local warden? Um, sometimes they they unintentionally might cause harm, you know, just having not know, being familiar with those um, those individuals and the particular things that they're dealing with. So um, we launched Give Back Yoga University as a continuing education space for anybody that wants to get involved um, working with um, people with eating disorders, people with addiction, um, people in jails and prisons and people with cancer to come and get you can take a, a short course and get an introduction. We've got um, a really interesting course that I'm, I've gotten really passionate about this year, looking at the intersection between addiction, eating disorders, cancer, PTSD, because there's mm. sometimes we silo those populations. Totally. Hard language even, you know, we say, oh, you know, this population, but I most of my people with eating disorders have also dealt with addiction or are sometimes, of course. Yeah, actively dealing with it. And we have um, we have Symposia Eddie has actually been the only presenter that we've had at all three of the <laughs> symposia that we've done. Um, and those are big online conferences. Um, we're coronating. We've got a coronation this weekend or this week for um, uh, King Charles, now King Charles. But he actually spoke at our first conference <laughs> um, back when he was a, a lowly prince. He did the, the opening keynote. So. Um, those conferences are really designed to, to bring together um, stakeholders, key stakeholders, so all the way up, you know, to, you know, royalty in, in England, to academics and um, people in parliament, um, legislators, um, to yoga teachers and yoga therapists working on the ground with these communities and um, everyone in between, scientists studying the benefits. So those are great. We do um, a yoga and recovery conference um, uh, in September, we've got another one. Uh, and then the last one is fiscal sponsorship, which you've been talking about. And I think of that as incubation, mm-hmm. mm. incubating, you know, small organizations or small projects that are ready to, to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You said you're not as ambitious, but I, that sounds so ambitious. <laughs> really? I mean, and let, can I ask about the education piece? Because it's a, a few years in and a function of what you thought about or had or innovated around um, in COVID. Is that right? Okay. Because as you might know, um, I was part of uh, a lot of content innovation at Yoga Alliance at exactly the same time. And so there was a lot of thinking at that organization at that time about um, just providing information and, and, and you know, we- webinars um, that people on lockdown might, yoga teachers and yoga, the yoga interested and uh, would be, would, would, would like to learn about. 
And it's so I'm curious about that space, what you all know about that space or what you see happening in that space, because it sounds to me that your clear mission um, and, 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 and where give back has grown from has really kind of funneled you into this specific um, part of online or not even online, ongoing um, continuing education for yoga teachers. So I guess who else is doing it? What have you all learned? Like, where do you think it's going? Are you going to grow it? You know, what's the, what's your size of the universe of people that are coming in to learn about this? It's because you're right. I mean, yoga, I mean, yoga Alliance is, is, is the place we would go to, to think about how many people, how many yoga teachers are there basically, at least in the United States, if not internationally. And, you know, their membership is like a hundred thousand, that's a lot of people who have YTT, who are, who are YT for the most part, 200s. I'm sure there's some three and 500s and most are 200s. So let's talk about this universe and how you're serving that group and where you might be growing this education piece. Either of you. <laughs> Do you want to go in, Rob? No, go. Take it, take it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it, we're we're learning a lot. We we actually we we launched the first iteration of Give Back Yoga University during COVID, and we were doing. Um, I I didn't actually know you were doing those live webinars at Yoga Alliance. There's so many, and you you brought. There were so many people coming to those webinars. It was like a great platform. I know it's still going. Um, so we did a lot of live events during during COVID. That was great and exhausting and taxing for our tiny little team. You're telling me. Scheduling and thinking about the next one. So we we kind of hugged back to the middle as we do last year. And we were incredibly blessed to... Um, Omega Institute has been... It's just been a, a like a sacred kind of... Uh, I don't know, breeding ground for our organization over the year for, for things to happen. So we we reached out to Omega and asked if they would be willing to donate some space for us to bring um, our, our, our fiscal sponsees to Omega to film some courses um, that could live more permanently and really do it professionally. So Omega fortunately said yes. And we brought each of these organizations that we've been incubating and nurturing over the years um, to Omega and we filmed um, courses with them and we said, you know, okay, if we've got a brand new yoga teacher who wants to work in prisons, what is, you know, can you give us a, a short course to get them started? Um, and then we had one and it was the intersections one, which I loved where we said, can you, let's get you together and talk with one another about, for instance, the addiction to incarceration pipeline. Let's, let's talk about these intersections. Um, so we've done that and we're launching them right now, one at a time. We just launched um, yoga as a as a restorative, yoga as a path, a restorative path to rehabilitation, um, which is, the, I, told, I told them that was a tongue twister for me. <laughs> <laughs> we launched that yesterday and we're launching them, them one at a time. And um, we've been doing a series of, of live events every month. And at the first event, we had nearly 800 people there. So that was... Um, that's been great. I, I think there's a real um, hunger and desire, like hunger for this really substantive. I think there's a, a ton of yoga teachers, as Rob says, out there with a fire in their belly and yoga therapists as well. Um, so we're we're really, 
I think, you know, we're it's still growing. And so we're just hoping to get people in the door and let people know that it's out there and the resources are there. But um, my sense so far is that people are, are hungry for it and excited to serve. And totally. Uh, That's great. Well, I, it's so great. And, and, you know, and, and, and I, and it, to me, this sort of gets back to the why, I mean, I, it, it, it's, it feels to me like that thread has been coming through the whole conversation, but Rob, I, I'd love to end the conversation by anything else you want to say about that, but then talk about the two of you co-leading this organization and what that is and how you're doing it and what you've learned from it. I mean, the first time we met Rob, we, you talked about what a, I can't remember what you said, but it was one of the most like animated parts of our conversation. You know, you just almost like Eureka, like what a great idea to co-lead an organization with somebody. Uh, so let's just uh, lay on the plane, I guess, with anything else you want to say about what Chelsea was saying and you all co-doing this. <laughs> I, I'd sort of ground it in, oftentimes I think of Give Back Yoga as a disruptor in the health and wellness sector. So when you start a yoga class in a you know, low income community, you're, and we serve mats and educate those people, you're disrupting that, that current structure, which we know has prejudices and inequalities galore. So why not do that at the leadership level? And three years ago, the board started to do some research into co-executive leadership models, you know, that, that are prevailing in the nonprofit and the for-profit sector. I think Harvard Business Review did a study and seemed like there's some so there's some good reasons to do it. And you know, anybody listening to this podcast today, Kim, I think will immediately see that, you know, Chelsea and I have different skills, we have different experiences, and, and we have different perspectives. And I think it leads to better decision-making. So, you know, there's this, this diversity perspective that you bring into leadership. I think it also provides some continuity of leadership when someone takes a vacation or goes away or for the future as well to continue the work and to understand the work and, and have some institutional memory. And, and I would say lastly, what I've learned, especially this past year, is our organization is, is more inclusive and it's a more of a collaborative workplace because of this model and because of, of Chelsea. I mean, you referred to the patriarchy. If anybody's watching this podcast, you, you, will, you will see you know, <laughs> that I'm part of the patriarchy. And, and, and I have... Decades of, of experience of certain hierarchical ways of decision making, which is just a samskara living in me, you know, because I've, it's been happening for so long. You know, you report up the chain, you report down the chain. Anyway, and, and Chelsea's style of leadership um, challenges a traditional leadership model. And so I think we're being innovative in that respect. 
Well, anybody following this podcast will know that I'm not necessarily part of the patriarchy, or at least I am, you know, really down with those. Con- I mean, it's you know, Rob, one of our, one of your and my intersections, however, is my Wall Street experience and your World Bank experience, and so I come from a very structured, strict, you know, hierarchical environment, which um, from the beginning I inside myself, you know, rebelled against (laughs) and have obviously been spending a lot of time, uh, several decades now, um, exploring in terms of more, you know, creative leadership. And so is there any last thing you all want to say about this, um, you know, collaborative organization? I just have to say, I'm so inspired listening to both of you talk, not just about all the things you're doing, but why and how you're doing it. So, any last thoughts, Chelsea or Rob, before we end? I would I would say it's it's not without challenges this this model, but I think if you have two people who can keep going back to the vision and the mission, keep going back to this notion, how can I serve? Then the Dharma boat might get misaligned at certain points. It might come into some eddies, you know, but it'll find its way into right action. The only thing I would add is it's also just a lot of fun. (laughs) 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 You know, it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, that that we, I feel like one common thread of our whole conversation has been this collaboration and, and family and there being, you know, a lot of love there. So um, especially on, Especially when there's been moments like during the pandemic where there's, there's a, you know, it's, oh my gosh, how are we going to make budget this year? Or a grant has evaporated to have someone else there that you're that's holding that with you. And then to have someone else there that you can say, I am overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you, you know, it's just, it's sanity supporting. And I think sometimes in my experience, leadership can um, especially at a non in a nonprofit can be incredibly taxing and can lead to burnout. And so for me, it's been vanity supporting and, and mostly lots of fun. Oh, that's so great. Well, I have to say, you know, I, an old teacher of mine was quoting his teacher, BKS Iyengar, who said, the opposite of harming is love. And so it's interesting if, if we're trying to reduce harm in the world and, um, we're supporting and nurturing love. I think it's just great. Thank you so much, Rob Schwer and Chelsea Roth. What a pleasure to meet you, Chelsea and Rob, as always. It's such a delight. It was a lovely conversation. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This show was produced by Alyssa Yaroshevsky and me, and the music is original music from my former band, Governess. Please share what you liked or wanted to know more about from this podcast, please take two minutes to review it. If you have the chance from wherever you do get your podcasts, send me an email directly to Kim at weekswell.com to start a dialogue about how you practice well and what practicing well looks like in your life. You can follow us on weekswell.com, follow us on weekswell in many different iterations between Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter and TikTok, you'll find us there, either weeks.well or weeks underscore well. See you next time.